Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome to Summer Bible Study. Today is session number one. And I just want to, I'll make announcements again at the end, but you know how repetition is the key to learning and this has to be hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered in because it's a really unusual summer schedule. We normally go six weeks in a row, but the calendar is interrupting us this year. And so, of course, we're meeting today. We will meet next week. We will be off the week of June 13th because that is Vacation Bible School. And then we will meet for two more weeks, June 20th and 27th. And then we will be off to celebrate the 4th of July. And then we will be on for two more weeks. And then after that, we'll start session two. So I'll announce that again, but I wanted to get that known. Uh, Journey into the Father's heart. We have limited supply. We've already reordered. And so they're only $5. Whether or not you stay for small group, I strongly encourage you to get this. If you don't have $5, one of us will give it to you. Not a problem. How many of you if somebody just really doesn't have $5? And it's okay if you don't. I'm not talking about giving up your cup of coffee. I'm talking about food. But if you don't have $5 and somebody's willing to pay for your book, raise your hand. You're willing to pay for the, okay, so you see a lot of people here. And that's not a problem. But you really need this whether or not you stay for small group. There are many, 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 many scriptures. Don't say, there's so many scriptures, it's a Bible study. (laughs) And the word confirms the word. And so, but because of time constraints, we cannot give them all. But I'll do my very best, all right? And so today, session one, we're going to journey into the heart of God. And for years, I had this on my heart. I kept hearing because all my Bible studies are journey because we are on a journey. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And so I, I literally would just seek the Lord and seek the Lord. Father, you want me to write about your heart, but, but what, how can I do that? How can I really know your heart? How can I explore the beautiful depths of your heart and your being? And last year, I clearly heard those three magnificent words. He is Jehovah. Because Jehovah is his name. It means the self-existent one. He is the self-existent one who created him. He was from the beginning. He is now. He will forever be. I mean, have you ever stopped and really tried to figure out, well, Lord, where did you come from? You can't. I mean, you will drive yourself happy doing that. But, it, but Jehovah doesn't just mean the self-existent one. It means the one who reveals himself. Jehovah is the one who reveals himself. And so if you want to know the heart of the Father, you have to know Jehovah. The word says, I change not. He is still who he was, who he is, and who he will forever be. The one who is and was and who will forever be. And so I began to to study Jehovah. 
and the names of Jehovah because your name manifests who you are. And I'm telling you right now, if I had a name that meant something not good, I would change my name. I would, I would change my name. Because every time somebody calls me by not my name, they are calling forth my identity. Jesus changed, the father changed the name of Abram to Abraham. He put his name in Abram. By adding that H, Hashem, he became the father of many nations when he was childless. He, he changed Simon to Peter, Petra, the rock. My name means defender of mankind and guardian of the truth. Now, if you know me at all, that's who I am. So by the time I had children, I knew to name them. I wanted to call forth identity in them. And my ch all my grandchildren, there were names that were just cute little names. I mean, they were darling names. But when my children looked up the meaning, they were like, no. Because we had the wisdom and the revelation that your name defines who you are. And so, hey, I love all of you. I don't know what any of your names mean. I just know what my name means. I'm just telling you, though. I, I, um, I don't know if I met her or was just told about her, but her parents named her Barfa. Now, how many of you would change your name? I would change my name. And so we're going to study Jehovah. But listen to where it starts, John 14, 21. Jesus said... The person who has my commands and keeps them, and what is his command? To do what? One command, to love. To love the Lord with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him, and I will show, reveal, and manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. How many of you want Jesus to manifest himself to you? Amen. I do. How many of you want Jesus to be real to you? I do. How many of you desire to clearly see him? I do. And he said, who really loves me, I will manifest myself to him. And that Greek word means manifest, exhibit to view to present oneself in the sight of another. It means to appear, to declare, to disclose, to exhibit in person. I want the Jesus of the Bible, who is the same today as he was yesterday and will be forever, to exhibit and manifest, disclose and show himself to me, don't you? But there's a requirement, it's a condition. The one who loves me, who keeps my commands, which is to love. And so if you love the shepherd, the healer, the provider, the one who is peace, our banner, our presence, our righteousness, you love him. He will manifest himself to you as those very names. And so today, as we look at the self-existent one, the one who reveals himself, we're going to see him as Jehovah Raha, the shepherd. 
And I don't think it's a coincidence. I did not know in the summer of 2022 that when he revealed this to me, that every prophetic voice said that this would be the year, the year we're in, 2023. It would be the year of Psalm 23. But the Holy Spirit knew that. And so we're going to look a lot at Psalm 23. But this is what I want you to know. At the very end, you are going to see that Jesus Christ is the shepherd of Psalm 2023. And David saw forward 2,000 years to the good shepherd. And so all that we talk about today, I don't want to talk so much about the sheep. I'll, I'll talk a little bit. But we are called sheeple for a reason. Because people and sheep have a lot in common. Not good things. Not good things at all. And so we're going to look just briefly at that. In John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So if Jesus and the Father are one, Jesus is Jehovah. He is Jehovah Raha. He is a self-existent one who reveals himself. And in this case, as the shepherd. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, I think most of you are very aware of this scripture. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. But they are mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of strongholds in my life. What is a stronghold? It's something that has a stronghold on you. And typically, those strongholds are the lies that bind. They are the lies that bind you to deception. And they are the lies that bind you to something that is contrary to the word of God. And so I'm going to expose the lies that bound me. And you have to identify the lies that bound you. It may not be at all what I have experienced, but I guarantee you've had some. I guarantee you have. It's impossible for you not to. It goes on to say in verse 5, inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories, and here's the big one, reasonings. Reasoning is the enemy of faith. Reasoning is what if, what if. Reasoning is, has God really said reasoning? Reasoning is when you start thinking contrary to the word of God and wonder if it's really true or wonder, did I hear God? And it's a scary thing. And I would say in my own life, that is the, the, the biggest fiery dart that comes to attack my shield of faith. So we refute every lofty thing and high thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and every purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. What is the obedience of Christ? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The obedience of Christ is the word of God. That's why when after 40 days of starvation in the wilderness, Jesus answered the devil's temptations with, it is written. What was he doing? He was bringing those thoughts prisoner to obey the word. This is not hard. It's a choice. But what is hard is that every time you hear a lie, the lie that you're not enough, 
The lie that God's not going to come through for you. The lie that you've got to perform to receive the promises. The lie that I miss God. Where are you? Do you even hear me? You have to immediately answer it with it is written. And I have many, many, many times shared and, and I have one daughter that's out there at the book table, but, but the others aren't here yet. But if, I, if somebody came to one of my children or my grandchildren and said, boy, I saw your Mimi and she was smashed, man. She was high on, I don't know what. Well, the only thing I get high on is Jesus. They would say that was a look like that was not my Mimi. And those of you who've been with me a long time, I, one of my sisters, the one who looks the most like me, is uh, she looks very much like me. And there are been, have been times when people mistake her for me, which is a huge compliment because she's nine years younger than me. <laughs> well, it's an insult to her, but it's a compliment to me. <laughs> but one time I always would say to her, you need to be really careful because she jokes around a lot. She's got a fabulous, really bigger than life personality. Funny as I'll get out. She can just make me laugh like nobody. And she was, uh, at the time, a nurse for a, an OB gin group and they had a juice bar outside and she went out and put her money on the bar and said, I'll take, what was a screwdriver, or Bloody Mary or something. And the person started laughing and said, are you Sandy Ross's sister? <laughs> Just like that. And she didn't really want an alcoholic beverage. I mean, it was 10 o'clock in the morning. But she was laughing and she told me, I said, I told you. <laughs> I told you not to do that. But we need to know the Lord like we better than we know each other. So that when those thoughts come... We say, no, 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 you're a prisoner of Christ. And you say, it is written. Whatever, whatever it is, God has promised you. So I'll share with you some of the lies that bound me and imprisoned me. One is that I believe for many, many years that God is a punisher. And it came from the days before my magnificent dad was born again. Before he was born again, he was very wounded. He was very injured. He had a rageaholic father who was a gambler and a womanizer. He was a horrible person. He would leave my grandmother on the streets to sell little hankies that she made. My grandmother on my father's side was a proverbial grandmother. She had bright white hair ever since I knew her. I mean, from the time I was tiny, tiny. Bright white hair, she wore it in a little bun in the back of her hair. It was long. It was like to hear. And apparently that was in the days. I, I don't have white hair yet. If I did, I would wear it because I think white hair is gorgeous. But, but I don't. I have some, some, but it, just, it was like the ugly kind, not the beautiful kind. <laughs> if I had the bonnie kind, it would be that. I love it. Platinum, it's beautiful. But she, but it was before the days that you put, I don't know, purple shampoo or whatever it is to take out the yellow. So it was white, but it was yellow. And so it was down here and she would just put a little bun and she had spectacles. And she was tiny, like four foot ten. And she was granny. And she would just stand on a street corner and she would sell little hankies. And then she would come home and she, she could read Greek. She was Greek Orthodox. 
and she would read the Septuagint. You know what the Septuagint is? It's the Greek Bible. She would read it in Greek. And she'd come home, she'd sit in her chair, smoke her lucky strike. <laughs> you know, back in those days, this is 1950s, it was cool to smoke, right? I mean, it was cool, and, and it would remain cool for years before they knew that it could be damaging. And then the Cruella de Vil with the fancy thing. I mean, I, I, I can't stand smoke, but I just thought it was the coolest thing. And so she would smoke her lucky stride. My aunts took it away from her when she was around 86, 88, because when she, when she finished smoking, if there wasn't a tray available, she would just put it wherever. And she lived to be 96, had no disease, had no disease, just went to sleep one night, woke up in heaven. She was, she was a really cool lady. But because of my paternal grandfather, who was a very unrighteous man, my father was very angry. He gave his heart to Jesus when I was 23, 24-ish, and he became the biggest new creation. A lot of you knew him. He was the finest, most wonderful, loving man in the world. But prior to that, it was not the case. And so I received a lot of punishment. And I literally, and I mean literally, one time begged, begged, begged not for him not to hit me. And I was standing in the door of my bathroom. And he backhanded me, and I flew across the bathroom, fell backward in the bathtub, hysterically screaming. Well, you know, when you grow up like that as a child, and I was probably about 10, 11 and at that time, I transferred that to, to the father. And I just thought, well, God wants to punish me. And I grew up like that. It took me a very, very, very long time, very long time, to renew my mind that if I did something wrong or that wasn't pleasing, that, that I wasn't going to get knocked across, knocked out. That's what I believed, and it bound me. Now, a lot of you can't relate to that. There's people like Pam that had this loving, loving teddy bear daddy. He was the sweetest man. Her mother made up for her, but her father, <laughs> no, no, I, you know, your mother was wonderful, but she was a tough lady. There's only two people in the world that have ever intimidated me. Your mother and Rick's father. True, true story. <laughs> Never been intimidated by anybody else ever. And I mean, when Pam's mother would say, sit down, I sat. <laughs> it's the truth. The other lie that bound me is that I stood accused. I always felt accused and condemned. I had to renew my mind to Romans 8.1, that there is no judging guilty for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no judging guilty. That verse set me free. I remember there was this girl, I think I was in the ninth grade. It was either eighth or ninth grade, I don't remember. And she sat behind me. In those days in school, you sat in alphabetical order. And my last name began with an A, and her last name began with an A. She was right behind me. And so I remember I was really, really, really good in science, not math, but science, science and English. So I got a Bachelor of Science degree from Texas A&M in 1975, and I had teaching certification in English and biology. Love, love, love biology. Really fascinated by it. Really good at it. And I had this teacher, I was going to say her name, but I did the math, and she could possibly still be alive, so I won't. I mean, she'd be, you know, like 
probably in her 90s, but out of respect, I won't. And so I wrote this science paper. And this girl behind me, she said, could I, could I take that and read it? Because I'm really confused about the assignment. And so I did. I let her take it and read it. Next day, she brought it back, gave it to me. A few days later, the teacher came, put the assignment on my desk. It said 100 in red, A+. And I was like, well, wonderful. I'm, of course I got an A. I'm really good at this. Then she took her red pen. She said, because you shared it, she crossed out the 100 and put a 50. And then she handed me and the girl behind me the paper side by side. And this girl had word for word copied my paper. And I said, but I didn't know. I mean, I was innocent. I was so innocent. But I was accused. And it was guilt by association. And she did not back down. That teacher, which was unrighteous. How many teachers are in the room? That was wrong, right? Tiffany, was that wrong? Thank you. Bonnie, was that wrong? Thank you. Okay. I just needed to be justified. More than 50 years later, the same girl came to school one day and she hands me something. Some of you don't know what a 35 millimeter camera was, but the, the, those that do, there was a little metal can. It was about that round and it contained the film. And it was really cool because after you put the film in the lab, then you had this cool little container, which today would go in the garbage, but back in those days, it was cool. And so she hands me this, and I thought it had oregano in it. Now, the truth is, I'm just telling you the truth. I am way too controlling to ever, I've never taken an illegal drug in my life. I've never been tempted. I do not drink alcohol. Ways too controlling for that because I like having a sound mind. <laughs> Even when I was an unbeliever, I wanted a sound mind. I'll never want my senses dulled. And so she gives it to me and she tells me it's pot. I look at it, it looks like oregano. I thought it smelled like oregano. Threw it in my purse, did it, didn't even think anything about it. Well, I didn't know that my father, my military father, was going through my purse. And he found it. And next thing I know, an unlabeled car drives up. Three men in coat and ties, narcotic agents. And they sit down in my living room and they want me to, I don't even know the term, you know, wanted me to narc on, I think that's it, on all the drug dealers and, and you name it. I didn't even know I made things up. Why? Because I stood accused. I stood accused. So those are just two examples of things. So young people, watch who you hang out with. Just watch who you hang out with. Watch who your children hang, up, hang out with. I always felt like I did something wrong, but I never knew what I did. Some of you have been there. Gosh, I did something wrong, but I don't know what I did. Well, that transfers to the father. That's not the heart of the father, but it transfers to him. Well, you always feel condemned and guilty before the Lord. And you can't receive his promises and his goodness because of that 
accusation, that guilt. And that was me for a very long time. That's a horrible place to be. I always felt like I, I didn't do it right. My mother, the thought of it is just nauseating. My parents loved fried liver and onions. Now, raise your hand if you like fried liver and onions and keep it up. Okay, I want to pray for you afterwards. I want you delivered from evil. That's all I can tell you. I think it is the most wretched, vile, revolting, grotesque. But we were forced to eat it. Now, this is 1950s. And if we didn't, I mean, we got the dickens beaten out of us. And so I learned, apparently I have a very big mouth. And I learned to stuff it like a squirrel. Right back here. And then I would say, may I be excused? And I would go into the bathroom and spit it in the toilet. Because I knew that if I swallowed it, I would throw up. So, I mean, that's not cool, right? <laughs> Always accused. I didn't do it right. And one day, I learned something that changed my life. If you don't get anything else out of today, get this. It is not about what I did or do right. It's about what he did right. That's what it's about. It's not about what you do right or wrong. It's about what he did right on your behalf. Receive it. Receive the sacrifice. Jesus actually took our punishment. And by his wounds, we are healed. So, I wanted to write this Bible study so that I could know the Father's heart. The self-existent one who reveals himself, not the one who hides himself from you. Not the one who denies you. The one who reveals himself to you. Jesus said, if you love me, I will manifest myself to you. That's who I want you to meet in these next six weeks, and I'm doing it with you. So let's read the famous, the Lord is my shepherd. And uh, obviously, if we took time to study this in depth, I've taught a lot on the 23rd Psalm. But if we took time to study it in depth, we would be here forever. And so I do hope that you will read this book and there's more depth in it. Let's read the whole psalm. I'm reading from the um, Amplified Classic. The Lord is my shepherd. To feed, guide, and shield me, I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, green, tender pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and he restores my life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, not because I've earned it, but for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the deep sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. Surely or only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. And you know, I've told it many times. I told it recently, but I'm going to tell it again and again and again. The actor and the old man, 
who took requests from the audience. And the old man said, would you say the 23rd Psalm with perfect eloquence? He did it. Everybody stayed up, stood up, standing ovation, cheered. And then the actor asked the old man to say the 23rd Psalm in broken, tearful English. Nobody clapped, nobody stood up, but there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And the actor said, I know the 23rd Psalm, but he knows the shepherd. And that's what counts, to know the shepherd. So we're going we're to look at Jehovah Raha. The heart of the father is to be the shepherd. And let me tell you something. If you don't learn anything else about the 23rd Psalm, learn this. The health of the sheep, listen, was directly in proportion to the goodness of the shepherd. Bad shepherd, sick sheep. Good shepherd, healthy sheep. Now, what do sheep and people, sheeple, have in common? Well, for one thing, sheep have a hard time taking care of themselves. And I don't mean brushing their teeth and combing their hair. But really taking care of themselves, their being. They need a shepherd. They require a lot of attention and a lot of care. Sheep have fears. They're timid. They are stubborn and they are stupid. <laughs> Hence, sheeple. Lots in common. Without a good shepherd, a sheep will head to peril. That word shepherd, one of the Hebrew meanings for shepherd, raha, means friend or companion. The Passion Translation says, Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. So let's look at lack. The first thing is I shall not lack. Now this is what riveted me, and I don't know why I've never really looked it up before. But that word lack, if you go into the primitive Hebrew, is so powerful. It means lack, I shall not lack, need, I shall not need. Here you go, decrease. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not decrease. But here's the big word. It also means fail and diminish. One of the devil's biggest, excuse me, one of his biggest words that he uses against us is diminish. He always wants to diminish us. He never wants us to see we've been made right with God through Christ Jesus. That when Father looks at us, he sees the blood. And the blood makes us right with God. Always. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be diminished. I shall not fail. I shall not decrease. And here's what else it means. Are you ready? It means inferior and worthless. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be inferior and I shall not be worthless. Every one of us has worth. If there's any seed in you, of diminishment, of worthlessness, of being inferior. I want you to know you're not looking to your shepherd. He will not let you lack. In fact, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this. Sheep have something called a butting order, B-U-T-T-I-N-G. It's like a pecking order with chickens, but it's a butting order where they butt heads because they want to be the top sheep. If the Lord is our shepherd, the heart of the Father is, we are equal. 
because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, black, white, brown, yellow, or red. I can call every nationality up here. And if we all cut ourselves, guess what color our blood is going to be? Red. There's no difference. If I cut open, if I were a surgeon, I cut up, open a Caucasian, an African-American, an American Indian, an Asian, Hispanic, Latino, your organs are going to look the same. It's just that the Lord likes a variety. I'm a vanilla person. You might be chocolate. I, if you give me a choice, I would always choose vanilla. Go a step up, I would choose coconut. I've had people tell me I can't stand coconut. The Lord is so gracious. He loves variety. And so some of us have straight hair, some of us have curly hair, some of us have short and long, and some have blue eyes, and some have green, and some have brown, some have gray, some have hazel. It's variety. It's a beautiful thing. There should be no budding order. And I refuse it. I am grateful, grateful, grateful for the military background that I had living with an Air Force officer. Because there was no recognition of race. There was recognition of rank. <laughs> and there, is, there are spiritual ranks. Not that one's better than the other, but he gave some as apostles and some prophets and teachers and pastors, evangelists. But you know what? It's not to be above. It's to equip. I had a, a friend. She was uh, buying a beautiful ring. And she said but my hands are old. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm so proud of my old hands. My old hands have laid hands on the sick and seen them recover. My hands have wiped the tears off of beautiful faces. My hands have served. My hands have held. My hands have comforted. I'm proud of them. Oh, yes, my veins are popping out. And yes, I baked in the sun for years with baby oil and iodine. Because in those days, that's what you did. I came back from a week in Spain, and you would not have said I was Caucasian. It was just the most gorgeous, gorgeous color. And, you know, you pay for it later on. But I don't care. You know what? When you feel inferior and diminished and worthless, go back to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. It means a whole lot more than not being want. Sheep, the next thing about sheep, he makes me lie down in fresh tender green pastures. Again, the health of the pasture is only as good as a shepherd. Remember the Lion King? I, that's just my absolute favorite cartoon or animation or whatever you want to call it. Because remember when Scar took over, when Mufasa was king, the land was lush. He was the shepherd over the land. But when Scar took over, it was desolate. Because the pasture health 
is dependent on who's in charge. Because the Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Raha, the Father, Jesus, I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, here's something about sheep and sheeple. A sheep doesn't want to lie down. It requires four things. Number one, to be unafraid. If they're fearful, they're anxious. They won't lie down. They have to be free from friction with other sheep. I don't know about you, but if you've ever gotten into strife with somebody, it's kind of hard to rest, isn't it? Don't you think about it, you think about it, you think about it, we're sheeple. They need to be free from friction. They need to be free from the torment of parasites. Parasites make them nervous, worried, and anxious. And they need to be free from hunger. A good shepherd will see to it that the sheep are free from fear through love for the sheep. A good shepherd will see to it that strife is settled and there is no strife. I do not allow strife. We do not allow strife in our home. I have people come over all the time. They go, it's peaceful here. We don't allow strife. You know why? Because when you allow strife with people, you forget who the real enemy is. We tell our marriage group, don't fight one another. Fight the enemy of your marriage. We forget that when there's strife. So a good shepherd will see to it that there is not strife. A good shepherd will see to it that the lying parasites of the enemy, the lies that bind, are eradicated. And a good shepherd will make sure the sheep eat so that you can lie down in green pastures. And then a good shepherd will lead you beside still waters. Why still waters? Well, sheep, as you know, are kind of awkward in size. They have big bodies full of heavy fur. How many of you have ever worn a wool coat? And they have really short legs. If the water is running or rapid and it sucks the sheep in, the sheep will drown. So a good shepherd takes him to still waters. And Pam and I heard a good friend of ours who was a missionary in India for many, many years and knew shepherds very well tell a story that is absolutely unforgettable. They would watch the sheep at the watering holes where the shepherds would lead them. And when the sheep had had sufficient refreshment, each shepherd would start walking in a different path, whistling. And there would be a scramble. And the sheep would line up behind their shepherd because they knew the voice of the shepherd. Still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He refreshes and restores my soul. I do want to say one thing too, because you're going to see this twice. The good shepherd leads. He doesn't push. He doesn't force. He leads Guess what? If somebody's leading you, you have to follow them. A good leader will never force. If anybody tries to force you, run the opposite way. That would not be the voice of the shepherd. He leads us. He gently leads us. And he prevents that budding order. In Ezekiel 34, in verse um, 20, 
Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I myself will judge between the well-fed fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder and gore with your horns, all those who have become weak and sick until you have scattered them away. This is talking about the bad shepherd. Therefore, I, the good shepherd, will rescue my flock and they'll no longer be prey. And I will judge between one and the other. You see, a good shepherd will not allow budding, the budding order, because that's strife, and you shouldn't allow it either. But he will lead us in paths. Where am I? Never mind. I know where I am. Don't tell me. He refreshes and restores my life. I love this. That Hebrew word restore means to refresh, to repair, to recompense, to recover. Here you go. And to reverse. How many of you need something in your lives reversed? The good shepherd restores. He reverses your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. That means so much to me. Why? This is deep, deep, deep revelation to me. If a sheep somehow gets turned over on their back with their little short legs up in the air, that's a condition called being cast down. If the good shepherd does not turn the sheep and put them back on their feet, how many of you, your soul has gotten cast down? Maybe somebody butted you. You got bad news. Your hope got deferred. You were attacked by frenemies. And you end up on your back cast down. If the shepherd doesn't get to the sheep in time to turn them over, the sheep will die. They will get gas in the rumen and they'll eventually die. Now this is where it hits deep and wide, and I love it. Psalm 42, this will help you understand David. Now remember, David was a shepherd. Psalm 42, 5 and 6 and 9 through 11. Why are you cast down? This is from a shepherd who understood that when a sheep is cast down, he will die, if not turned back over. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down your mind, your will, your emotions? Why would you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Hope in God and wait expectantly for him. I will again praise him, my help and my God. Oh, my God, my life is cast down upon me. And I feel the burden more than I can bear. Some of you, this is, you're describing you right now. Therefore, the shepherd, the earthly shepherd, David, he knew what to do. I will remember you. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why am I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? In other words, I'm laying on my back with my legs in the air. As with the sword crushing in my bones, my enemies taunt and reproach me while they say to me, where is your God? Why are you cast down? Oh, my soul, why are you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Hope in God. And wait expectantly for him, for I shall yet praise him, the health of my countenance and my God. That is the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is to put you back on your feet and on solid ground. 
and not allow the enemy's taunts to overwhelm you. To, to know him as Psalm 103, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Don't forget his benefits. He forgives my sins. He heals my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy. He satisfies me with good. My youth is renewed like the eagles. That is why I will be young until the day I die at a very old age. And you too, Lewis, you and me and everybody else. Don't let your soul get cast down. Know him, Jehovah Rapha, your shepherd. A restored soul knows forgiveness, healing, redemption, a crown of loving kindness, and a restoration. And then he leads you, he leads me in the path of righteousness, not because I've earned it, but for his name's sake. Again, twice you see that he leads you. He doesn't push you. I, one of my daughters lives two doors from me. The other daughter, one of my other daughters lives two blocks from me. And so I like to walk Winnie just about every evening. And she's a stubborn little girl at times. And so sometimes the kids, my grandkids will see me and they'll go in and say to their parents, well, there's Mimi dragging Winnie because <laughs> she'll put her feet down and resist me. And she's seven pounds. I'm not. I win. But you know what? The good shepherd doesn't do that. If I resist him, he'll let me. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now in the book, I give you so many scriptures on paths. And this means a lot to me. Because I don't know about you, but there are times where I am just, Lord, did I, do, did I make the right decision? Some of you may have read the late, uh, one of the latest words by Nate Johnson. And I think it was called Road to Redemption, something like that. It was so powerful. I mean, they were Australians and the Holy Spirit gave them massive confirmation, come to the United States, set up a ministry in the United States. And I won't go through the whole story, but the bottom line is the bottom fell out. Nothing at first, that they were told happened, nothing. And so then comes the taunt. You miss God. You didn't hear God. Hope deferred, making their hearts sick. It is very important to recognize that the good shepherd will lead you in the right path if you trust him. And that's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says to trust in the Lord with all all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight and smooth and remove obstacles that block your way. And the Amplified Classic says, he will make your path plain. And I love that because I'll just say, Father, make my path plain. If it's a, an absolute in the word of God, I know what to do. But there are a lot of things that are not. Who do you marry? What job do you take? What direction do you take in this particular thing? What do you do with the problems your children are having? There's so many things that are not absolutes that are customized for you. And we need the shepherd to lead us in paths of what is right. And then 
Yea, though I walk through the deep sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The, sh the shadow of death in shepherd's terms, when, when the shepherd would lead the sheep through these ravines, the shepherd knew where there was danger, where there were snakes that could harm them and, and prey, predators to get them. But they didn't have to be afraid with a good shepherd because he would lead them right through. We were at, I love Colorado. It's my absolute favorite state. And, um, well, Texas is my favorite state, but I like to go to Colorado. And um, we were at the Garden of the Gods. How many of you have been at the Garden? It's called, it was an Indian name. And they're beautiful. I mean, beautiful mountains that are red and just phenomenal. And so we decided there were four of us. We were going to hike up to the Garden of the Gods. And I'm already, man, I'm going to hike up this mountain. And I thought, I love it. I'm not in Texas. And, you know, there's no rattlesnakes. And I, at least you can see a mountain line. I'm going up. And we get to where the hiking trail begins. And there's a big sign. And this is summer. Beware. In summer seasons, eastern rattlesnakes are active. I said, you know, I don't want to hide. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod would beat off predators. The staff would gently guide the sheep back. I always thought if Shark Tank were there when my kids were growing up, I'm telling you what I would have invented. A gentle velvet rod or staff that when I was on the phone that had a 100 foot, some of you remember the phone was on the wall and you had that coil cord and I had a 100 foot cord because I knew the minute I got on the phone, all the underworld was going to break loose. And I always thought if I had a staff, I would grab them by the neck and pull them back. So that good shepherd's staff would gently guide the sheep. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That table is the Lord's table. I'll share a lot with you next week. We're going to talk about Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And I'm going to share some of my journey that the Lord has given me. I'm really excited to share it with you. So I won't do that right now. We'll do that next week. But I love, 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 love the fact that we can go to the table of the Lord and partake of the body and the blood. We're on this side and our enemies are on that side. And Jesus said at the last supper, I won't drink it again with you until I'm in my father's kingdom. And we are there. And there is healing in the father's kingdom. We'll do that next week, okay? You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. The oil is the anointing. John, or excuse me, Isaiah 10, 27, it will come to pass in that day that the enemy's burden will be taken from off your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing is the power of God rubbed in, smeared on and poured over you. His power is poured on you and rubbed in you and smeared on you. And it doesn't say, and I can't stand it when I hear people say, well, the anointing uh, breaks the enemy's yoke. Well, a broken yoke can be reattached. It says it destroys it. And 1 John 2.27 says, the anointing you have from him abides permanently in you. And it teaches you and it's true and it's not any lie. So abide in the anointing. 
the anointing of the shepherd. But do you know why the shepherd poured anointing on the sheep? Because parasites would burrow in the sheep's nose and get up to the brain. And a good shepherd would smear the oil all over so that the parasites could not get in. That's my shepherd. Don't call him the shepherd or a shepherd. Call him my shepherd. Jehovah Raha. The heart of the Father is to shepherd you. And then finally, 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 finally. Surely and only goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence is my dwelling place. I don't know about you, but I know so many people. And, and I know I've asked this before, and I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm learning not to say sorry because sorry says means sorrowful. And I'm not sorrowful. I am joyful. I'm not full of sorrow. I'm full of joy. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not sorrow. And I, and I've, I mean, the Holy Spirit's arrested me on that because I find myself saying often, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. So if you hear me say that, correct me. Just shout at me and say, you're not sorry. You're joyful. And some of you are going to have to make that same decision. But that little uh, character, Linus, I think, in Peanuts, always had a dark cloud. Or then there's my favorite, Winnie the Pooh Eeyore. Well, I don't know. Just always whining. No, no, no. The Bible says what follows me is the goodness of God. The mercy of God. I love it when the worship team sings the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. My life like down. I surrender now. I'll give you everything. Because your goodness is running after me. Goodness and mercy are following me. Not tragedy, not sorrow, not calamity. Storms do come, but the good shepherd, the good shepherd will lead you out of them. And through all my life, the presence of the Lord is my dwelling place. I want to dwell in the presence of the heart of the Father, Jehovah Raha. Now I'm going to close with just proving to you, and we're done, that Jesus is the shepherd that the shepherd David was writing about. John 10, 1. I assure you, he who does not enter by the door into the sheepfold but climbs up another way is a thief. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the door for this man. Where are the watchmen? Who are you opening the door to? Are you opening the door to being diminished? Are you opening the door to, to lack? Are you opening the door to condemnation, accusation? Are you opening the door to being inferior? No, I'm not opening the door to those things. That's not the good shepherd. And the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his sheep by name and he brings them out. He leads them out. He leads, leads, leads. And when he brings his own sheep outside, he walks on before them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. That means you've got to renounce the lies that bind. They'll never follow a stranger. They'll run away from a stranger because they don't know the voice of a stranger. And Jesus used this parable with them, but they didn't know what he was talking about. Why? Because they're sheeple. <laughs> Jesus said, 
I solemnly tell you, I am the door. And all others who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the true sheep do not listen to and obey him. I am the door. And anyone who enters in through me will be saved. He will come in and he will go out and he will find those green pastures. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Here you go. I am the good shepherd. You have it right there. The good shepherd risks and lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 14 and 27. I am the good shepherd. I know and recognize my own and my own know and recognize me. The sheep that are mine hear and listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Look, you go and you read Psalm 23. Jesus is revealed in Psalm 23. Jesus is the heart of the father. And every promise in Psalm 23, if you are a sheeple, is yours, if you will take it. And anything, listen to me, that contradicts this, you come back with it is written. Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood. How many times does he have to tell us? First Peter 1, or excuse me, 1 Peter 2, 24, 25. He personally bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed for you were going astray like so many sheep. But now you have come back to the shepherd of your soul. This is my insurance policy against the lies that bound me and it's yours the heart of the father the good shepherd the great shepherd all that he promised is ours get to know him we need to get to know him much better than we do in Jesus name thank you Lord you are the good shepherd you are the great shepherd and I personally choose to believe that you are who you say you are and that you will do what you say you will do. And I, I take your promises. They have yes stamped in blood. And I say, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.